Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. everybody and welcome to another episode of Discover North Korea with me Zoe and my guest Greg who will be joining any second now I hope um, but firstly I guess before uh, whilst we're waiting for him I want to say a massive thank you there he is he's popped up I want to say a massive thank you for um joining back in the podcast today um because i have a guest on um i've started recording guests uh on videos so feel free to go over to youtube uh to um to see us and our lovely faces uh if you'd rather do that um and if you have any questions uh any thoughts any feelings anything like that uh then do message me um on instagram at zoe discovers or at zoe discovers nk or email me on uh zoe discovers at gmail.com so let's let greg into this meeting right now uh, and we can get the podcast going hi greg can you hear us hey hi greg <laughs> How are you doing? Nice background. Very academic. Wow. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm I'm skyping with uh, sorry zooming with um with a professor. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Soon to be. <laughs> At some point. Look, I like you. You've even got the plants and stuff. And what books have we got on? Got going on them in the background? Presumably oh. stuff on Korean history. No, because all my Korean books are either in Budapest or somewhere in Jeju. Oh. I don't even know where my books are. I mean, I know where I have books, but I don't know where specific books are. Why are they all in Jeju? Uh, because when I left Korea, it was way too... Uh, they, uh, they could only ship to Budapest uh, with EMS and oh. EMS premium. So basically, it would have been way too expensive to send it over to Hungary. Uh, and I have a friend who lives in Jeju, and domestic shipping in Korea is 
ridiculously cheap. Like I shipped uh, two boxes of books and some like household household materials uh, for like less than ten dollars. Oh, what? That's crazy. Okay, <laughs> nice. Why the only uh, box I shipped to Budapest with books was for like four hundred dollars. So ah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Very expensive. My parents' books. <clears throat> Lovely. Just to let you know, we are um, we've kind of I just kind of started recording. Hope that's okay. I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Zoom lady will um will kind of tell you beforehand. Cool. Um, well, I guess we can just kind of catch up for a minute because I haven't seen you in um probably unfortunately really sadly since the last time we recorded a podcast I can't believe that's the last time we caught up because we are actually friends suppose <laughs> easy friends <laughs> what have you been up to what's been going on and I'm busy uh climbing up on the ladder of uh, ground handling very exciting hey that's fun because the last episode that we did together was all about air choreo and you didn't have your new job by then but now you do have a new job um maybe we can tell the listeners what your job is because it has something to do with air choreo it has something to do with air flight maybe not necessarily air choreo and um i kind of didn't tell anyone but like the theme of this podcast today is going to be about um transport and stuff like that in the dprk because we kind of didn't um finish that last time we just ended up talking about uh air choreo but um yeah do you want to tell people what you kind of do now basically uh i'm working at keflavik airport mm -hmm. uh, as a ground handling agent very soon i'm going to be a lead agent Ooh. so uh, it's going to be even more exciting because then i will have the chance to get into the cockpit and stuff or fly deck uh, to be more PC. Uh, so basically, I'm responsible for everything which happens on the ramp or on the stand where the aircraft parks during turnover. Uh, so basically, uh, if there's not a docking system, then we have to marshal in the aircraft. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to put a jet bridge on the aircraft, the stairs, offloading, unloading. Um, water service, laboratory service, uh, pushback, communicating with the flight tech during pushback. Um, so basically everything which happens around the aircraft except for cleaning mm. and uh, fueling. Mm. Um, so I spend a lot of time in the belly of the aircraft and it also changes <laughs> the perspective of uh, how luggages are handled. Oh, so, okay. Like, uh, not very well, I guess. Well, uh, uh, it all depends on, uh, of course, how you handle the luggage until it gets to the aircraft is based on your personality. Because then you have, then you can be very gentle and stuff. Mm. But uh, unless you use the power stove, which is a, a bad loader, which can go way into the belly of the aircraft so basically your luggage is on a belt until like a few centimeters where it's supposed to be in the belly of the aircraft so if you don't have that uh, that, that equipment then basically the belt loader ends where the uh, luggage hold door is yeah. and then you have to get the luggage from there to the end of the aircraft mm. so like, like 
if you have four wheels, then it's easy because we can push it and then it goes all the way in. Mm. If it has two wheels, it's more problematic. But if it has no wheels, <coughs> then I'm sorry, you have to throw it because otherwise mm. uh, loading of the luggages will would take hours. Right. So that's what you've been busy with, throwing people's luggages. <laughs> I would say 50% of my uh, time. But since now that I have a heavy equipment license, I can operate all equipment around the aircraft. Very cool. I spend less time in the belly, the hold. Um, and uh, once I'm going to be a lead agent, I will spend most of the time around the aircraft coordinating the servicing. And this has all happened very quickly. I feel that like you've kind of gone from like starting out at a new job to being promoted several times. So yes, well um, <laughs> I would say that uh, my company is the company of opportunities because as uh -huh. everywhere else in Europe, we have staffing problems. Ah. There is not enough because you know um, there are two uh, components to it. One is COVID. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of the companies just laid off their, their uh, employees because they mm -hmm. had no job. And then when it's restarted again, uh, there was not enough uh, people to do the job. Mm -hmm. um, Iceland has a new airline called Play. Mm -hmm. um, and they started to grow very quickly. And uh, they have, uh, like, during the winter, we had, like, four flights uh, in one period. Mm. like in the morning and then in the afternoon and now we have like uh, sometimes uh, almost like eight or even more. Oh. So uh, and uh, we couldn't we, we couldn't catch up uh, filling up the employees mm. um, and also uh, we, they needed more lead agents because you know more flights means more lead agents and uh, I guess because of my English they uh, expedited the process mm. Right, I was uh, going to ask that because so you're working in Iceland. Can I tell? Uh, can I tell people which airport you're working at? I don't know. Do you, is, is that a secret? Huh? Keflavik Airport. Yeah, right. So the like the main capital, the main gateway city, yeah, of like entrance into Iceland, I guess. Um, so you're in Iceland and you're in the main airport. Uh, everyone, look out for Greg. Uh, if you if you are transiting or if you're if you're going to Iceland, um. I think you have a story to tell in terms of that, just looking at your face. But um, because you were just saying about the language, I wanted to just ask super quickly. Um, do, 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 so do you speak English? Have you started learning Icelandic? What is it? Icelandic, there is more need for Polish at my company. Ah. Because I would say that 90% uh, of my colleagues are Polish. How similar is Hungarian and Polish? Not at all. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> So the, the common language, the common lingua franca is English. Uh, uh, so that's how it's supposed to be, but uh, Polish is spoken mostly. Oh, so sometimes enough. I have to, like, you know, okay, guys, like, let me know what is, what's going on. Ah, uh, that's very annoying. Uh, the communication on the radio is in Polish, mm. unless the person oh involved speaks Polish. Wow. Um, but uh, for me as a Hungarian, working with Polish people is uh, quite pleasant because there's a historic uh, uh, friendship between Poland and Hungary, mm -hmm. which continued until the war in the Ukraine. 
Uh, now it's a bit more complex, politically speaking. Okay. Um, but we are traditionally uh, good friends, and also being uh, from East Europe, mm. Central, East Central Europe. Mm. Your preferences. Uh, we also have a shared historic uh, uh, heritage. So I would say that uh, uh, how if you take out Catholicism from the picture. Mm. Uh, I would say that the Hungarian and Polish mindset, the Hungarian and Polish work morale is quite similar, which okay. is again a little bit of problem, a little bit problematic when it comes to uh, work, because we work uh, way harder than uh, Westerners, Icelandic people. I'm, I'm really sorry to say that, but that's yeah, that's no, true. no. I was I was just going to finish your sentence there and say like, what work harder than Western Europeans? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> means that, uh, and that's being understood by the Icelandic uh, uh, managers in the company, our workload is also much uh, bigger than yeah. it's supposed to be. But you're also getting promoted as you do so. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Stating facts. And I'm used to this kind of uh, work morale. Uh, so that's no surprise for me. Yeah. Especially that I, you know, before that I worked in China, I lived in Korea, so right, yeah, it's it's nothing uh, you know new for me. So has anyone um, seen you at the airport yet? Uh, you definitely looked like you had a story to tell from um, from me mentioning that a second ago. <laughs> uh, if someone ever checks out my uh, Facebook or Instagram profile, they will see a photo of me which was taken up in Montpectu when I was uh, giving an interview to uh, local Korean uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> TV channel about visiting Montpectu. Mm -hmm. And that photo was taken by one of uh, our customers. Um, and they uh, live in Iceland. Um, it's an Italian-Polish couple. And they were flying back to Italy in February and we met up. Uh, for a coffee, and I said uh, the next day that uh, the next day when they are traveling, there's a small chance that I'm going to be around your aircraft because uh, is, they are flying EasyJet, uh, which is handled by our company. Ah. And uh, I was assigned to their uh, um, aircraft, so they took photos of me while working around the aircraft. That's so cool. Uh, chance to go up to the jet the jet, jet, jet bridge and just you know uh, wave them off uh, just before they boarded the aircraft um that's very cool so basically basically this lady is uh, 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 always taking photos of me while working <laughs> or in Iceland hopefully the next time that she takes a picture of you will be back in North Korea <laughs> working back there because we just uh, published our uh, second uh, south korea tour oh yeah or in south korea yeah and um, before we get into north korea stuff maybe you can chat a bit about that like what it so what is the south korea tour um i guess no one listening will know anything about the south korea tour really because um i mean i haven't started promoting it on social media yet so they might have seen about it last year but you take the floor it's your tour yeah, yeah but before i go into that just one more thing about uh meeting with uh, mm. uh, the couple. So uh, 
the lady was in charge uh, before uh, with the hotels, uh, like uh, uh, cleaning rooms and room service in Iceland. And she said that uh, she was showing pictures what she took uh, back in Pyongyang in Yangadu as an example of how. No. Yes. Of uh, <laughs> how uh, hotel rooms should look like. Uh, I mean, not the quality, of course. Uh, the, the, <laughs> all the hotel rooms should look like the 1980s. Room, but uh, how like uh, the room service supposed to be done. Ah. So basically. Uh, uh, North Korea has some uh, uh, teaching uh, material in uh, the uh, uh, hotel industry. In Iceland? Point, oh, probably all over the world. Mm. Uh, and she pointed out, that, although I also pointed out that, like, yeah, but that's, you know, it's, it's problematic when it comes to uh, uh, being green, that uh, mm. she was like amazed by how when we received our laundry. Like every single item was folded into a small uh, plastic bag, like piece by piece. I mean, not piece by piece, but pair by pair when it comes to like. Oh, is it? I've I've never had my laundry done in the Young Actor because it's too expensive. Oh, okay. Then did you? Ooh, you should. You must have been smelling really badly after <laughs> the end. No, I just bring enough clothes with me to last like the whole time. Fun days. I'm trying to think now, like what I did. Maybe I, I've never, I know I've, for a fact I've never had it done in the Ankakto. I think when I went like on the mega tour or something and it was a long time, I think I asked the guides what the cheapest place to do it is. And mm. I think maybe I went, I did it um, in, um, maybe in Chongjin or something where you can pay like a, a random woman to do it. And I remember um, also the, um, this is what the guides do. The guides um, were doing their washing in the, um, in like the spa room, you know, the, um, like the Jimjilbang thing in Chongjin or um, up in the Northeast. I can't remember which hotel it is at. And it has like an on-site spa. Um, and you go down there and, you know, there's the guides um, enjoying the spa, but also washing their clothes at the same time. I was like, this is kind of really smart. Um, so I did that as well. <laughs> when I was living in Pyongyang, mm. uh, I was doing my laundry. Uh, like I, I was very like North Korean. I had like uh, two sets of uh, change. So, so, so every evening I did my laundry by hand. In the ah. Wait, but, you but literally just tour... had like two sets of clothes for like a whole month. Yeah. Wow. You know, I had two white shirts and like maybe three changes of uh, 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 underwear. <laughs> and then in the evening, uh, just before I took my shower, I also uh, did my laundry. Yeah. And as to be fair it's nowhere near as bad as um when I was living at university and um I don't think my uh, housemate listens to this podcast but if he does um then sorry for uh, pointing you out here but um I remember finding out in my first year of university that the way that um one of my housemates uh does his washing is by taking his uh dirty underwear into the shower with him and then just washing his underwear in in the shower as he's washing himself and I'm like I mean, it saves water, I guess, but I don't know how clean your underwear will get or how dirty your body will get from <laughs> all that dirty underwear, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, I don't know how we got to this topic. Um, what we chat about the South Korea tour. Yeah, so uh, we had a very successful tour last year, as I pointed out, I guess, in our first podcast together when we had Nick and Simon on board yes, as well. Yes, that's true. That's um, episode five, if people want to go uh, back to that episode and listen to it. So because of that success and also because North Korea is still not open and the best way to get as close to North Korea as possible is South Korea, uh, because I don't think China is much of an option. Um, uh, China's open for tourism now, but yes, but uh, like you, yeah, you can go as far as at Dandong, and since you start to travel around the border, you might get into yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah, there's a lot of security up there. I don't really like uh, Westerners being around the DPR for China border. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So, because of that, we decided to run the tour again. And it's going to be in October, and basically uh, we're going to travel around along the DMZ. Uh, now, as opposed to last year, we're going to start on the west coast, uh, Yampyong Island, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, within the, the northern limit line, which is like the uh, CDMZ or the CDML. Um, no, because there is a DML on the sea as well, but uh, the northern limit line is like more extended because there is like dispute between the DPRK and the ROC uh, on where exactly this border is mm. and the area to which uh, like fishing uh, um, uh, boats are not supposed to go into and stuff. Mm. It also led to a conflict uh, in 2002. Uh, there was a battle, uh, is called. Uh, between the Northern Navy and the Southern Navy. Uh, it was also, it was actually during the World Cup. So oh. had some uh, uh, more political motives as well than just, you know, debating the exact uh, boundary between uh, the two countries, mm. the two and there's actually a very good movie about it uh, called What's the movie Who? called? The Limit Line. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I can put uh, the link in the in the show notes so people can go to it. And also the uh, uh, there was a shelling of the island in 2010, I guess. Uh, so actually, there is a security wow. education center uh, on the island, uh, which is which we're also going to visit. Uh, which is uh, housed right next to a building which was hit oh, uh, okay. by the North Korean shelling. And also uh, the, the replica of the boat which took, uh, uh, which was involved in the Battle of Yongpyong in 2002 is on a show right next to, uh, in show uh, in the garden of uh, the War Memorial of Korea, which is like the Korean War Museum in South. And it just reminds me of Pueblo. Uh, right. Even, mm. uh, because it also has like exactly how the North Koreans, you know, uh, there's the red circles around the ballot halls. On so Mrs. interesting. Pueblo. Have the same red circles uh, around the ballot halls uh, on the boat, which is on show, and uh, the South Korean boat, which uh, participated in the 
uh, also that Pikafi participated mm. in the uh, Battle of Yanpyeong in 2002 and so on and so on. Wow, um, it's interesting how the two sides have, uh, have both done that so similar, so similarly. Yeah. Um, and for I just want to say, um, for those that don't know what the Pueblo is, it's basically the American spy ship that was taken by North Korea. Um, and it's now on show in, uh, it was in Wonsan, it's now in Pyongyang. And you can go and visit it, and it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, but also when you, you, when you are on this uh, South Korean tour, just cannot stop uh, discovering the similarities between the two sides. Uh, actually, uh, we had a, a, a customer on tour. Um, actually, we should have her on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, because she had really good eyes in uh, 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 recognizing the similarities. And she kind of ran a series on her Instagram. Okay. Uh, oh, interesting. Photos from her trip to the north and her trip with us to the south and comparing uh, the two experience. Okay. I think on similarities. Yeah, but yeah. so we're going to start on the west uh, and then we're going to visit uh, most, hope, uh, most probably the GSA, the joint security area where the blue huts are, or it's yet to be confirmed because as of now, mm. only South Korean nationals are allowed to go on right. tours for the GSA. And, and then we're going so yeah. the JSA is, um, that's the area with the blue huts that everyone knows and stuff like that. So the DMZ, what Greg is talking about, is the demilitarized zone, right? But most people think that like the DMZ is just those blue huts. And actually, I posted a picture on my Instagram the other day um, saying like the DMZ and it, it was um, an image of these blue huts. And someone commented saying like, um, oh, I thought that, it, you know, it would be like miles and miles of like nothingness and wasteland and, you know, uh, environment, like just, um, you know, trees and stuff like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's really built up and it's got houses and stuff like that on it. And I'm like, yeah, but th this bit does like this is the JSA. This is like the area that, you know, is the kind of touristy bit of it um, that most people visit. And it's it's the Blue Hoods. It's a recognizable bit. But what Greg is talking about when we talk about the DMZ is, you know, there is a line that separates North and South Korea and it goes all across from east to west or west to east. Um, and that is very, very long. Greg probably knows the exact numbers because I don't, I'm very bad with that. But it it's also very, you don't know. Don't. <laughs> um, it's also very wide. So it's about, I don't know, I think it's about five miles wide. And that is literally just um you know land of um incredible nature and it's so interesting actually um you know in recent years such incredible um nature has come out of it because it is no man's land and there has been like endangered species spotted there and stuff like that so um yeah just wanted to clear that up for people how long is the yeah, dmc uh so <laughs> two kilometers to the north and the south when you oh, talk okay. about not five miles hmm is uh let me uh <laughs> put you on the spot now so basically the problem is that uh, you know i started out as a, a history major mm. and during my very first exam i told the teacher that there are two things i can't remember numbers and names and then we agreed that okay that's probably history is not for me <laughs> and um that's really funny <laughs> Um, I'm the same though. Life proved proved him right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It was definitely good of you to go into anthropology instead. You're more of a, a people person instead of a number person. Kilometers. Wait, say that again. 240 kilometers is the length. 240 kilometers long, two kilometers wide. Four kilometers because two and oh, two. Oh, sorry, four two. kilometers, yeah. Uh, but speaking of uh, incredible nature and endangered species and stuff, we are also planning to gain access to uh, one of the DMZ hiking trails. Uh, we tried to do that. Try to do that, yeah, and back then, and I think right now as well, it's only for South Korean nationals. Mm. Um, but we are working on it, so probably it's going to happen. Uh, That's so cool. What what is what is the? I mean, it's it's kind of self-explanatory, but maybe talk us through like what where that goes and stuff like that, and where it is on the DMZ because it's you know it's two hundred whatever you just said two thousand two hundred. I can't I can't remember numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are quite a few sections mm -hmm. and the one we are trying to do is on the east coast so at the kumgangsan area okay um but also we're going to visit chorwon where we where zoe and i went together in we did. 2018 i still have uh, all that content that i need to make into a video i just haven't had time it'll come out at some point and we'll look so young <laughs> It was fun. It was a fun trip. It was. Um, <laughs> and so we're going to visit that as well. Uh, and what is that? So basically, that's kind of the middle of the DMZ area, uh, which actually is supposed to belong to the north. Um, uh, you can visit uh, two observatories there. Actually, one of the observatories, uh, Sungli or Victory Observatory, is the best I've ever been to because that's the closest to uh, the demarcation line. Um, you can quite see quite a few uh, military outposts. Uh, actually, it's, 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 I think it's actually part of a military outpost. We just made it. Uh, uh, observatory. So basically, there you mm. cannot take because of the uh, safety concerns, but you can see a lot. Okay. Do you also have to sign? Because I know when you visit the JSA from the south, you have to sign like a waiver saying, like, you know, if anything happens to you here, it's not. I didn't have to. You didn't have to. Why? Uh, because it was a special. Uh, but yeah, when, when I was uh, on like a, a proper 100% uh, tourist tour, then yeah, uh, before the security briefing at Camp Boniface, they, uh, you have to find, you have to, to uh, sign a paper that if something happens to you, it's because of Wow. Uh, but no, 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 not there, but uh, there, uh, the bus has to get like a special uh, uh, Blackheart saying that yeah, we are being there. Uh, there's a check-in for us. I mean, it's not what it's, it's, it's all doing behind the scenes, but we have to list all the people who are visiting um, and so on and so on. Hmm. Okay, yeah. And then uh, we are also going to visit uh, Umgangsan area, which is on the east coast. 
uh, there we're going to stay in a hotel, the Kumlogangsan Pongdo Hotel, which is very uh, similar to hotels in North Korea. Which, uh, mm -hmm. as much as that even we had problems with the elevator. Oh, really? Hey, is this the hotel that South Koreans only are allowed to stay in, but then somehow we now stay in? It's not that it's only South Koreans allowed to stay, but uh, the argument, so, so basically they do everything to prevent you from staying there. Why? For some reason. Uh, because it's, it's, it's really, it's not up to... Uh, they believe that it's it's uh, more like for uh, South Korean tourists spending the weekend in the area. Mm. Uh, you know that there is this uh, argument in in South Korea and North Korea in Korea in general. Mm. That it's not for foreigners; it's for. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a it's quite a normal thing to hear in Korea. It's not that there is something like there's not a legal background or a regulation behind it. It's just like how they see it or how they want to, you know, uh, have a shortcut to the end of the conversation. Yeah, and it's funny that you should say that like that's in South Korea and just generally in Korea because like a lot of the time I think when that's said to you in North Korea, like why can't I do it? Or it's you know it's for the local people. It's not for the foreigners. Then of course like your brain switches and it's like oh my god, there must be like something really like super cool in there that you know it's because the foreigners aren't allowed to see it or like it must be top secret information in there or it must be something crazy because it's North Korea. But like you make a good point. Like I, like it happens in South Korea too. Like it's just a Korea thing. Like sometimes they just want to keep things for themselves and not let foreigners enjoy. And also, it. <laughs> I think they have they have a a, a view. Uh, of uh, Westerners and Western, uh, uh, like what are expectations? And if they believe that these, like the, the, the circumstances there are not up to those expectations, then, you know, it's better if you just, you know, keep foreigners out of it. It's, it's mm. like it's like a reversed uh, Orientalism. Right. And they have their own, uh, most, uh, uh, like exotic views of the exotic other, which is in this case being the Westerner, mm. and uh, how they, you know, how we, uh, you know, enjoy life and stuff. And then mm. this in the to those standards, then it's just easier to say that it's not for True, and that's both in in North Korea and and in South Korea, and also, interestingly, I mean, it's also in in China as well. Like, but more in the bureaucracy of things, in that like. You know, there are some a lot of hotels that foreigners can't stay in in China and they are local only hotels and they don't have a permit to give foreigners um, because of that reason. Like the hotel is not up to standards. Um, and you find that in North Korea as well. You know, like there are some hotels, I think, that like um, foreigners can't stay in or like stuff like that. And it's because like they think that it's not up to standard. And and, and yeah, but yeah, but of, of course, but in the north, in the north, there is also the uh, the fear that you know it can be turned against them. Yes, yeah, they have that so, paranoia, so, which yeah. is well-founded paranoia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But again, like uh, sometimes I and it, it will sound awful and a bit, uh, but sometimes I want. I would love to take uh, some of our colleagues or some of the decision makers on trips 
to other parts of Southeast Asia, Afri Africa, mm -hmm. to show that what you think is the general is only for the privileged white people. Yes, yeah. And not like, like the rest of the world, at, at least as far as uh, accommodation standards go, like North Korea is not looking oh. behind. And it's amazing. And like for someone that like me, like when I first went to North Korea as well, like I was like a backpacker traveler, right? And like, I, I, you know, to be honest, I hate the fact that I'm almost 30 and still staying in youth hostels, but I do um, just because they're cheaper and stuff. And, you know, I haven't had a job for the past three years, probably. So um, you can relate. Um, so, you know, but when I, especially when I started working in North Korea, it was like five years ago, I was like mid twenties. And like, I was staying in youth hostels all the time. I went to North Korea and like you have to stay in like one of their standard hotels and like for me I was like this is luxury because I'm used to staying in hostels and stuff like that and I think like what they don't understand is you know that like some people like that kind of a bit grimy a bit like um you know more down-to-earth travel of course like not everyone but some people like it's more authentic experience and I think the North Koreans could never understand something like that um, unless they go away for themselves. And, you know, brings us back to one of the conversations that we've had, like with one of the tour guides um, who's, you know, finally understood the joys of walking around in a place instead of just being driven around in a place. And that was her first time abroad and stuff. So kind of relates to that, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and, and actually, we don't have to go as far as like uh, the developing world. Like, uh, and it's something also we talked about with the uh, Polish uh, lady uh, who I met here in Iceland as well. That mm -hmm. for us, it's our childhood. Right. So in, in Hungary, there was something called Sot uh, Ulule, which is like the uh, holiday home of the unions, of the work mm -hmm. unions. And the standards of the hotels in the countryside are exactly the same as the um, these uh, former uh, holiday homes for the working unions in Hungary in the 1990s. So for me, that 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 was the standard. That that's something I used to, and that uh, brings back uh, memory for me. And I'm sure that it brings back memories for those who grew up uh, either in the socialist bloc or in the 1990s of the post in, in a, in a post-socialist country. Mm. So for me, it's not something alien. It's not something, you know, that's like, no, that's the standard for us. Right. Yeah. It's interesting that you have that comparison because I can't relate, but <laughs> no, it's very interesting. Um, before we get into like talking some more, I just wanted to say like, should we, we've done it again. We just carry on chatting about stuff. Should we make this? episode more about like South Korea and like you can explain more about the tour and the interesting things that you can do in it and then like we can just carry on talking about that. I think uh, we should save a podcast for the South Korea tour yeah and then we can maybe try to bring someone on who actually oh. did the tour. Ah okay okay let's save that for next time then see their experience and their insight in uh, comparing North and South. Okay. And especially for those who been to North Korea, they right. can point out the real 
sorry, the, the, the real value of the tour, but that, that how much you can learn about Korea. Right. Okay. The DPR, even without going there. Right. So we should probably stop talking about South Korea. <laughs> We've had like half the podcast. Okay, so for those listening, we are we are doing a quick change from um from South and North Korea to um you know talk about transport, which I guess you know will will take the tram on over um from the south to the north. Um and uh, and I guess we'll have another episode. Uh, hopefully, Greg will bring a guest along um, and we can hear about uh, the South Korea tour. Um, and how you can join as well. I will put all the information to the South Korea tour in the show notes as well, in case you know your appetite has been um, uh, has been sparked and you just need to find out some more information straight away. It is a very cool tour, um, but it's not the topic of conversation today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Topic of conversation today um, is what we tried to do last time, is uh, DPRK transport. Last time we managed to, we talked a bit about trains, we did. Um, And then I also, for the past two podcasts, have actually um, been doing like a live train journey um, from Beijing to Dandong and the North Korean border. So we've covered trains, we've covered planes. Um, what other transport is there left in the DPRK? Um, maybe we should go over like the biggest one because I feel like we might just get stuck there. And if so, we'll just have to have a transport number three podcast. But should we, ta- should we do Pyongyang Metro? Uh, okay, but just before that, so just to have the connection between South and North transport-wise. Okay, go on. What a- have you got? Uh, during the Sunshine Policy in the 2000s, when it was possible to uh, go over by train from south to north. Uh, obviously, and then the Kaesong Industrial Complex also had a railway connection. And we can see during the South Korean tour those uh, train lines. But uh, on the east coast, the Kungangsan area, there was a train coming from the south to the north, which brought uh, South Korean tourists mm. into the special uh, tourism zone and also uh, there were uh, plans to use uh, a ship ship uh, south koreans from the south of north by uh, the 
blimey. I, 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 I forgot the name of the, the, the ship, which is a uh, dog. What? Queen. Greg it? forgot the name of something? That's not like you. Bong 92, I think. Yeah. Oh, 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 the one in Wonsan. Yeah, yeah. Ah. It's also uh, supposed to be used for uh, traveling between uh, South Korea and the special tourism zone in Kunansan area. So that is, yes, yeah, so that's taking South Koreans purely for tourism into North Korea, which I think will be shocking for most of our listeners to find out that was actually a thing, but it was during the Sunshine Policy era, which was. Which dates in South Korea? The nine. It was in the two early two thousands, late nineteen nineties. Yeah. Um, and the, the 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 tourism project to Kungangsan was, I think, between nineteen ninety eight and two thousand and eight. Two thousand and eight, the incident happened. And in the meantime, the writing government was uh, elected into power in the south, so they stopped uh, uh, tourism. Yeah. So um, the sunshine policy is um, is a time period that's kind of often noted as one of the, uh, I guess, friendliest uh, periods um, between the north and the south in in recent years. Um, and um, it's a series of um, engagement policies with the north um, instead of. Yeah. So if someone is more familiar with European history. That's like the, uh, like, you know, as West Germany during the Willy Brandt administration had West politic, uh, South Korea for two presidential terms had North politic, uh, which was like yeah, engagement. Yeah. Was failures, but, you know, it's better trying than not to try, I guess. Yeah. And then unfortunately, there was an incident in Kungangsan area where a South Korean tourist was shot, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And um, as Greg mentioned as well, a change in um, uh, change in government in the South as well. So uh, that kind of stopped that sunshine period and um, also stopped the um, the tourism in the Kungangsan region. Uh, but is the train that you're talking about the one that we also visited on our tour as well? Like when we went there just for travel? Because we did go to a train station that connected north and south. It was in Cholwon. So, <clears throat> uh, so that train station uh, was the last station. Um, I think that was the line between Seoul and Wonsan. Mm. Uh, and that's the last station uh, in the south. Okay. But that's not not it's not in operation. It's just a historic station by the Japanese. Right, right. Whilst we're on trains, why don't we chat about trains? Actually, like I mean, I mean, I don't mean about like Chinese trains and the train that took us into um, that takes us from China into North Korea because I've touched on that before and we talked about that before. But the internal train network in North Korea and uh, where you can go and because you have a quite unique experience where you traveled a lot on the train in North Korea, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, yeah, so I, I'm still not the record holder. Uh, um, in terms Did we of talk time... about this last episode? I can't remember. No, we didn't really touch upon it, actually. Yeah. Um, maybe we mentioned that it's possible to travel from Pyongyang to um, Rasong. Yeah. Um, but we didn't uh, go into okay. detail. We'll go into the details. <laughs> uh, basically, as of now, because before it was possible to take other trains as well. And I'm not sure uh, if it was possible in the history of Korea tours, but when my grandparents visited in 1988, 
they took the train from Nampo to Kaesong. From Nampo uh, to Kaesong. So Nampo on the west coast and Kaesong are just further south. Uh, Kaesong is on the border to the DMZ. So if you're going Nampo to Kaesong, I don't know if my camera's flipped here. I can't really tell, but you're going from west kind of to the middle and then down. Uh, I'm sure that they had to go uh, traverse through Pyongyang. So I think it was like Nampo to Pyongyang, Pyongyang to... Ah, okay. Pyongyang Kaesong, that's an interesting line. And, and they took an uh, overnight train. Um, so at some point, it was possible for foreigners to take more than one domestic train. But what we are talking about now is, uh, so basically there are, oh, I, I can't remember, I, I, okay, not, not now, not at the, same, not at the time, but uh, there were uh, trains from Pyongyang all the way to Moscow. So mm -hmm. basically uh, maybe twice a month, uh, there was a train from Pyongyang, which uh, went uh, at first, it goes from Pyongyang to the east coast of North Korea, and then it travels up north along the coast mm -hmm. uh, to Rason, which is like the special economic zone uh, where the uh, the border, like the, so DPRK, uh, China, Russian border is. Mm -hmm. And then it crosses, the train crosses over to, to Russia. Um, and then uh, at some point it joins with the Trans-Siberian Trans uh, Railway coming from Vladivostok and then you can go all the way to Moscow. Yeah, I've taken that but, one. So that would be, how long would that ride be in total, Pyongyang to Vladiv to Moscow? It's about six days from Vladivostok to Moscow, right? I don't want to lie. I, I could look up because I have the schedule somewhere on my computer. It's okay. You can um, tell me after. I'll add it in the show notes. I think it's like six to eight days. Yeah. Uh, uh, plus, how much it takes in in the in the north. Yeah. Right. Uh, so basically, the, the so if you take the train, uh, then there is at least twenty four hours in Rasson. Okay. Uh, because they leave enough time if there are delays on the North Korean side, they can also, they can still, you know, uh, catch the, uh, the uh, Trans-Siberian. And are, are delays Russia. common on the northern side? Yes. <laughs> uh, for various reasons, uh, when I was traveling, uh, it took us, I think we were delayed for like, 12 hours or even more. Mm. Um, so basically, uh, that's an electrified uh, 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 line. Right. And sometimes there are problems with electricity. Yes. Or uh, even if they use like uh, diesel just to make sure that there is no problem, if there is another uh, train in front of you which runs on electricity, mm. then you stuck. Yeah. Or we had a customer who was actually uh, delayed, because that was when uh, Kim Jong-un uh, went up to... Ah. Uh, Mount Hector. You know, one of the white horse rides. <laughs> 
uh-huh. they were waiting for the marshal to pass. On, right. I think they back to it and uh, How long were they delayed for? Who? Uh, I can't remember, but they are the record holders in the history of Oriotos. Okay. Uh, oh, so we're talking like days they were delayed for? I think it was more than 24 hours. Okay, wow. In that uh, in that case, could they get off the train and stay in a hotel nearby, or did they literally just have to stay on the train? Wow. And those carriages, in my case, the carriage didn't have air conditioning, and it was only <gasps> at the end but that's like then what is the other time when you have chance to spend time the mm. uh, North Koreans for like 24 hours yeah where there is no escape for them there is no escape for you yeah it's, it's and then and you pretty much you know if you, if you don't want to be bored to death then that's the only like it, it's it's I, I didn't have any problem with the delay because i really enjoyed it it was like mm. we played card games we ate together we shared our food together just with our uh, colleagues we had conversations uh, it's yeah. an experience which is not really possible outside the train experience mm. Just a very, everyone's in it together. I think that, you know, if you've got something binding like that, that like, you know, your train is delayed, it's such like a human thing. It's like, who has ever, who in the world has not been on a train that has, you know, that has been delayed? Like, I think everyone has experienced a train delay at some point in their life. So, you know, everyone um, understands it and can empathize and is also in it together. So um, that's the first thing that binds you. But then of course, um, yeah, it's a very unique experience. And it also, if you keep your eyes open, you can see, like, because, you know, uh, they, they have domestic carriages as, as well. So you are put in the carriage which will go over to Russia. Right. And the rest of the train is the domestic uh, carriages for the Pyongyang, uh, Chongjin, Pyongyang, Rasson mm-hmm. um, uh, line. And you see, like, how people are getting off. Uh, I mean, and then, you know, and then they hang out on the uh, platform. Uh, you can see quite a lot. You can see stuff which confirms some of your uh, readings. Mm. Mm. Okay. You, 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 you know, people always complain that you know you you don't see real life in North Korea. You don't see real North Korea. Uh, they only show you what they want you to show. But you know, electricity is not running on a party right. order. So if it's off, it's off. Maybe it might be off somewhere where they wouldn't want you to stop. Yeah. And you yeah. see, and it's just a question of how uh, much you keep your eyes open. Mm. So it's it's a very good experience in in every respect, in, in the social respect as well, because as I said, you spend. Uh, almost unlimited time with mm. North Koreans. Also, since they are on the train, which is like boiling hot, it's not, you know, they not won't be on in their, you know, uh, tie and uh, uh, suit. Mm. Right, yeah, they, they've actually like changed into their sports gear or they're comfortable, like they've taken off their shirt and now the guys are just wearing their vest tops underneath. <laughs> I can imagine it. 
and, and that, that that also uh, changes the whole atmosphere. Like yeah. they become less of like it's it's less official. It's like you become buddies, not like uh, I mean for me it's not a big change, but for the tourists, it's a massive change. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you did this train tour, were you just by yourself or you were with tourists? So I was uh, with, uh, actually, the couple I met here in Iceland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so that's how you got, wait, so you, that's how you got up to Chilbo, uh, to um, Pegtusan on this train? No, it was no, on no, a different tour? We went up to Rasson. Ah. It's, you know, it, was, it was the same tour, it was just an extension of the tour, because I, I've never been to Rasson before. Ah. Uh, so I wanted to go and see and, you know, and meet the local partner there. Mm-hmm. Um, um and, and actually it was funny because uh, uh one of the it, he wasn't my guide but he was the guide for the tourists um um but i met a, a, a colleague uh, working for the rasson international travel company or whatever they are called um mm. whom i have out uh, during my last stay in uh chongjing mm. because there was a conference in <clears throat> in uh rasson Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there was a French uh, delegate who wasn't allowed back to China. Oh, they didn't have the, the correct Chinese visa. Exactly. The bane so of our lives. <laughs> so he's stuck in uh, Rasson, then they brought him down to Chongjin. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't really have a good flow of information. Uh, and then I, I just overheard their conversation and I just went up to them that, okay, like I work in t- tourism. Uh, I know the problem what you're talking about and I can confirm this, this and that. Uh, That's very cool. Uh, and that's also like, like, you know, he doesn't have to stay in Pyongyang because right, uh, like there is going to be like a three hours to catch the flight to China. Then we had to check the, because he was taking advantage of the 24 hour Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. The transit visa or something. Yeah. And stuff like that. And then uh, we arrived. So there is a, a border, like an internal border crossing between DPRK proper and the Russell Special Economic Zone. Hmm. They just got on the train and then it's like, oh, I know you were from somewhere. And then uh, they remembered. And, oh, and then, very cool. So then you got to like chatting away and stuff. I'm sure you probably shared a soju or dried fish or two. Uh, not with them because uh, we had different schedules. But anyways, yeah. it was uh, fun. But also, uh, I think you can take the train. So if you don't want to go to Rasson, mm-hmm. uh, you can also take the train to Changjin. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Chongjin is North Korea's third largest city. To be the second, but I understand. No, second is Hamhung, I think. I said it used to oh, be. Oh, it used to be, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, Hamhung is the, or Hamhung, Hung Nam to be the second biggest. Okay. Um, and uh, Chongjin, I'm trying to give a kind of visual to people that are, are listening. Um, if we have uh Rason is kind of up here like kind of closer to Russia and up here and then Chongjin is like here further to the left hand side closer to also, China 
it's definitely not closer to China because Rasson oh, is. Not. Oh yeah, oh, sorry, Rasson's on the border. To China. Oh my gosh. Okay, do you? I'm not good at geography. <laughs> I'm really not good at geography. <laughs> Both are actually uh, sea towns. So. Okay. East coast. Okay, I guess like people Rasson can go over to Google Maps if they want to see where Rasson and Chongjin are. But these are two places that the internal trade network can take you in North Korea. Yeah, and then okay. Chongjin is also the city which is uh, depicted in Fibra uh, uh, Dynamics book, uh, Nothing to Envy. Ah, okay, yeah, probably people will know that one. Um, if anyone's read that book before, Nothing to Envy. Um, how long does this train journey take? How long does the one to Dasan, how long should it take? Uh, how long does it generally take to Chongjin? Same question. And same. And the third question is how often are these trains uh, from Pyongyang? I would say 24 hours is a good estimate. That's how long it takes to either Rasan or Chongjin? Yeah, yeah because like Rasan to Chongjin is like two hours plus. Mm -hmm. And do you have also, a bed on these trains? Yeah, it's it's a it's a sleeper train. It's it's a but it's it's more like a Russian one. Mm -hmm. Four it's carriages a, only. Four sorry, four beds only, right? Four beds, but uh, it's the one which is with uh, uh, like cubicles. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's unfortunately the beds are. Uh, leather or like fake leather bed yeah i hate that and like it's really sticky and they don't give you a sheet and stuff because they give you sheets on the chinese trains what did they, what did they... no they gave they got gave us sheets oh they did okay because i've been yeah. on them once some before and they just don't give you sheets and i'm like oh, it's really like when you're all sweaty and stuff and your skin stick into that did so that yeah, it's, it's like uh, four beds in one uh cubicle um and uh is there a dining card no oh. so you have to do your shopping before uh, but the um there is a um at least in our in our cubicle there was like a, a, a wooden uh thingy which could be turned into a, a desk okay so basically do you fold it down no 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 it's under the bed take it out from the bed and it goes in the bits <gasps> of the of the cubicle so okay, basically you have like a, a huge uh, uh dining table kind of thing mm -hmm. and the trainer and training attendant will uh like if you have for example cup noodles you give it to the train attendant and she will take it uh, for you oh. to uh uh, uh, boil like to use the boil water and prepare it for you. Ah, that's nice. So you don't have access to the own hot water yourself. You have to like get someone to do it, or she just does that because she's nice. Uh, honestly, I don't remember. Probably they have to boil it up, and I wouldn't be surprised right. if it's boiling all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So very different to the Chinese sleep training experience. Um. And so you, what kind of food did you bring on the, the train journey with you? You have to have, I guess, 24 hours worth of food, right? At least. Uh, noodles. We also ordered the jajamyeon in Pyongyang Station. So that was our breakfast. Oh, that's funny. Uh, uh, so they delivered the jajamyeon to Because there is a delivery, food delivery in Pyongyang. Tell us more. Tell us more, Greg, about the food delivery in Pyongyang. 
<clears throat> so basically, I only experienced it when uh, traveling by train because I, I, I uh, really wanted to, to try like the jajamyeon, what's not prepared in a hotel, but like, you know, street food kind of jajamyeon. Mm -hmm. and, the, 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 and, the, and also like the, the our colleagues said that, then, you know, sometimes you order jajamyeon to KITC offices. And you, you can, yeah. <gasps> so they order food to the office, I love that. Obviously like, okay, then could we try it? And then, yes, of course, yeah, yeah, why not? And Very then, cool. Uh, when you get on the train, then they will order the jajamyung and then we begin to bring the delivery to the train station and then we can have it on, on the train. That's very that cool. Our, so that was our breakfast. And then we had cup noodles, uh, what else? some North Korean snacks. Um, I think the guys had some like uh, <clears throat> spam. I mean, not, not the American GI, yeah. you know, North Korean version of the spam. They had something which was made of the, it was like dried uh, pork stomach or something like that. Sounds appetizing. Um, uh, that was pretty good, actually. The taste. Mm -hmm. it wasn't, but the, the taste was good. Uh, <laughs> We had talpi. Oh yeah, we bought talpi at one of the stations when we were waiting for hours. Um, so, so basically, the food is what you bring. Yeah. Uh, from Pyongyang. Is there um there are toilets on the train? I presume, or is it just a hole in the floor, toilet? No, no. You know that's something I should remember because I'm dealing with it as a tour manager as well, but because i personally prefer squat toilets ah okay so you don't notice either way uh yeah, yeah you, you know i wouldn't have this shocking experience that oh my god they don't have the yeah. toilet because oh that's they have what i want to have so yeah 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 fair like let, let's face it yeah and they have running water i guess or no wash your hands cool nice Anywhere, uh, and how long do they go? Sorry, that I kind of cut in with all, all these questions. How often do they go? Um, it's like once a week or? So, you know, the, the schedule is not like that. There are certain dates every ah. month, ah. Uh, which I'm sure uh, is on our website. I mean, okay. it's definitely uh, not uh, valid uh, currently. Mm -hmm. But uh, the the schedule is up on Corio's website, and it rep represents the reality back in 2019. Right. I have a question. Oh. Or 2015. Right. Um, I have a question that just came to mind because I remember taking the Trans Siberian from, um, well, I took the Trans Mongolian technically from Beijing to Moscow, um, and when you transfer from China into Mongolia, I think it is, um, or Mongolia into Russia, I can't remember. Um, the train changes tracks. Um, does it do that, the DPRK train, when it goes into Russia? Yes, oh. but uh, uh, it's done. So basically, so what's happening, that you get off in uh, Rason, mm -hmm. 
the train goes further to uh, Mangang Station. Mm -hmm. And that's where they uh, change the, uh, the, the, the tracks. The tracks, yeah. Ah. Uh, but uh, you don't experience that change because you are touring Rasan uh, while it's being done. Oh, that's the 24-hour period in Rasan. And yeah, because I remember on the Transmongolian, you literally like sit on the train um, whilst it's happening. It's a bizarre thing that your train carriage is lifted up whilst you are in it. I mean, you don't feel it lifting up because it's like a massive train carriage, but like you can see it if you look outside. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's also happening on the Ukrainian-Hungarian border. Oh, right. Okay. Ah, so it's it's a normal thing for you, I guess. It's not interesting. Never mind. I never traveled. Okay. But, but the con concept is not alien for me. Because... Right. It, yeah, for me, being British and on an island, we don't have... Oh, we do. We do have train connected to France, to mainland Europe, like to... Guys, and, you know, this... this uh whole tracking is basically for uh, security reasons. Is it? Because, yeah, because in case of war, <gasps> and if, you're, if your territory is occupied by the occupying forces, it takes them a lot of time to ah. change their uh, train tracks to the occupied territories tracks. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So that's why the... the, so, so the so for those who have no idea of what we are talking about, the gate width mm. is different in the former Soviet Union and the rest of the world. Right. The the the, the Russian or the Soviet one is wider than our standard ones. And that's why you have to change the tracks of the train. Very interesting. And cool. This is why this is this is why I need you in my life. <laughs> it's all these things that like I just miss out on. Um, is there anything else noticeable notable about the internal train network in North Korea? I presume it's probably one of the cheapest in the world. Would I be right in saying that? It's uh, probably not for foreigners. It's super cheap, but definitely for um, North Koreans, it's maybe very cheap. That's something I I I, 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 I suppose it's cheap, but the problem is that you know not everyone is allowed to take it, so you have to right. get permits. Not like that, you know, you want to visit your uh, grandmother in Monsan and then you just go to Pyongyang station and okay, hey, give me a ticket. Yeah. So to... what what do North Koreans have Basically, to Basically, when, when you buy a ticket, you have to, and also when, when the, the Korean guides are purchasing the ticket for themselves, for the train, because you have to have a, two Korean guides on the trip up to, uh, they usually come to Chongjin. Mm. And then they uh, take trucks back to Pyongyang. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, they have to present their travel permit when purchasing the tickets for themselves. Right. And also, uh, for those, because it's more common for uh, tourists to travel from Pyongyang to Sinuju, but they might have realized, especially if they were going doing the synergy extension, they were in the like, domestic carriages, that uh, there are um, like train police. Right. Uh, the, the uniform which is in this uh, weird uh, greenish, uh, bluish uh, color, 
Yeah, yeah, I've seen them before. So those are the ones who are checking the travel parameters. Right. Okay. Um, and how hard can the regular North Korean get this? Do they have to have like a reason? Like, for example, if I moved to Pyongyang for work, but I did have family up in Rason, is that a valid reason? Can I go and visit my family to do that? No, people can't hear you if you're shaking your head. <laughs> I, I, new people or no people whose family is in Sidiju or rather way around. They haven't seen their parents for two or three years. Mm, right. So I presume it will be a, a kind of like they're given the opportunity to go back home. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And most of the people who travel on the trains, they are traveling for uh, business and other stuff. Right. right. We see a lot of soldiers on the train, mm -hmm. um, traders, and I guess. Uh, some people can get uh, travel permits by, um, you know, going the other way around. That means like corruption or like some, you know, extra. So, so, so the, the train ride itself might be cheap, mm -hmm. covered by your company. But if you are not sent by your company and you have to want to do it on your own and you have to get a permit and stuff, then mm. I think all the, the extra uh spendings will be expensive fair enough um i was just gonna say something on that but i've forgotten what it was now never mind okay is there anything else notable about the train because we're kind of gonna have to wind this episode down i know it kind of feels like we we didn't really get into the train too much but we've been speaking for ages so maybe we did when we maybe have we covered everything that's noteworthy on the train do, do, do you have any anecdotes or anything that you wanted to say about your trip or is that pretty much have we done everything nothing but yeah that's everything yeah cool so if foreigners if anyone listening wants to um go as a tourist and wants to experience the local train network in north korea where can they go what can they do um like, uh, you know, is, is there a tour, um, a specific tour, or is it more of a, you have to do a private tour? So uh, we have at least one uh, specific train tour every year, mm -hmm. or we used to have, but it happened only once because then, then it would COVID. have happened again. That's when <laughs> yeah. COVID hit. Um, and also basically that's actually that tour, um, we wanted to do it with uh, the Russian Far East. I mean, no, 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 no Far East, with Vladivostok. So basically, hmm. would have had a tour in Pyongyang, and then we went, we would have went up to Rasson, and then do uh, the Russian part. Right. Okay. Um, and also, I was planning to do one more uh, group tour, uh, which would have exited into. Uh, China, mm -hmm. because the idea was that we should have, we should offer more group tours which are visiting uh, uh, Rasson. Right. But uh, most of the tourists are doing it as an extension, as a tour extension. Right. And uh, as an extension the... of, like, they go on a tour to Pyongyang and then they add on, like, a train tour. Yeah. 
but unfortunately it, it, but if it's like a private extension then it's quite expensive because mm. uh you have to cover the train tickets for two guys as well yeah so suddenly the train ticket which is 150 euros that it used to be in 2019 becomes 450 euros an expensive train ticket because yeah. you are uh, covering the three Ah, man. So my initial thoughts of it being one of the cheapest transport networks in the world, even for the Koreans, was uh, completely off. <laughs> 150, even for the Koreans. I'm really surprised. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, because you have to pay. I mean... Uh... No, no. I, I, Yeah, I get it. I get it. But like, you know, I, I'm surprised that the, the North Koreans still have to pay that amount as well. But it's not that... It's not them paying it. And it's also in the international carriage, so not in the oh, domestic right. carriage. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're you're because as a foreigner, I guess you're buying like an international ticket, and you have to buy like okay, yeah. So it will be cheaper for domestic North Koreans, but the North Koreans traveling with a foreigner are not traveling kind of as a domestic. For North example, Korean. you are not you don't have to cover the way back to. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, and that will be a lot cheaper. Which is, I think, it's a problem actually because uh, they have to take trucks and stuff. Uh, uh, so my my uh, my idea is hmm. I don't know that it's, it's financially problematic because then it's going to be more and more expensive tour, but at least for the uh, group tour hmm. that we take a train which allows them to catch the flight back to Germany. Right, that's very considerate of you. So and and it's usually always uh, the same people who are doing that. Like there's right. not a big pool of uh, local Korean guides who would do like and, and one of my colleagues did it like four times in a row. Wow. Okay. Sounds tiring. <laughs> cool. Um. Anything else you want to add? Oh, about the train. What now? Like, uh, like uh, we were trying to, and who knows, it might be possible uh, that, is, you know, instead of taking the bus to Hamhung, we could take the train because it goes through Hamhung. Right. Yeah. So I, that's one thing that I do want to point out is that what we've talked about today is domestic uh, train journeys that tourists can take, but there are more domestic North Korean trains. There are more, uh, there is more to the internal railway network in North Korea than just what we've spoken about today, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll have to definitely save that one. We've got a whole list of episodes that I need to do with you, Greg, piling up. Um, but I am going to have to uh, cut things off for now because we've uh, we've been chatting for a long time. Um, if Can I give people your courier contact email? Um, if they have any uh, questions on, um, you know, the South Korea tour that we kind of briefly touched upon, and we will be doing a podcast on uh, in the next few weeks, I suppose, um, to let people kind of know um, if they want to contact you about that or also about potentially doing the train journey in North Korea once the borders open. Um, I'm okay to give them your email? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's Greg. Uh, I, will, I mean, you can say it if you want. <laughs> Koreogroup.com. Greg at choreogroup.com. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, and where can people find your Instagram? Because you mentioned it at the start. Maybe just give it a plug now. So G-E-R-G-O-V-A-C-Z-I. G-E-R-G-O-V-A-C-Z-I or V-A-C-Z-I as, um, 
as my British compatriots might might prefer to say. Um. I have a very, very special relationship to the English language because in some respect, I prefer British English. In some respect, I prefer American English. Well, that's one thing that we differ on, Greg, because I know which one my preference is. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks so much, Greg. Uh, stay on after I end this because I want to say uh, goodbye to you properly. But um, for everyone else listening out there, I am going to say goodbye and we're going to pretend to say goodbye to Greg as well. Um, you guys actually will be saying goodbye to Greg. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Greg. Honestly, um, if anyone has any um, comments or anything like that, anything you want to say to Greg, anything um, you'd like to see him talk on uh, next time uh, when we get together, let me know any guest recommendations. Email me with anything on zoediscovers at gmail.com or any of my social medias, uh, especially Instagram. I already always reply to at zoediscovers or at zoediscoversnk. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And, um, and we'll see you next time or hear you next time. Bye-bye. And see you later, Greg. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.